And here we go for the Thursday show. Welcome to it. I am Stretch. I'm adjusting my microphone as I talk to you. Welcome to another edition of the Stretch Show here on the Big 49. Your home of Moto Rock Extreme. We are going to bring it to you today. Coming up in moments, we are going to talk to our favorite Brent. His name is Max Anstey. And Max is fun. And by the way, the longest interview we'll have with the Moto Dudes all week. And that's just because Max talks. In fact, the interview with Max, because remember I tell you guys, we do these, it's the press conference is what you're getting here when we give you the uh, interviews. And they chopped them in half because it was so late after the massive rain delay. And they were just trying to get these guys in and out and still, you know, have the press conference, which we appreciate here. About 12 minutes long. And you have all three riders for 12 minutes. So Max Anzi will give you a five-minute answer. He's not going to play. Max Anzi going to talk. And he just got his first ever win. He's fired up. So Max is talking. And because of that, the other two guys on the podium for the 250s are the Lawrence brothers, Jet and Hunter, who had all the hype in the world on him coming into that event. And we literally get three questions. So, So tomorrow I'm doing a combined interview. I'm doing a Lawrence brother interview tomorrow with both of them. And it'll be about half the length or less. Yeah, it's going to be way less than half the length of this long Max Anstey interview that you're going to hear today because Max is Max a talker. Gotta love Max. All right, outside of Max, uh, Ken Roxon will make an appearance in the midway point of the show today. If you missed yesterday's interview with Kenny, we will stick him slap dab in the middle today. You can pick that up. Also, I have a really cool UFO story I will do after the Max Anstey interview because you know I love the UFOs. And then I looked at the rest of my story saying, I'm like, damn, these are annoying and depressing and uh, mind-boggling stupid, but, you know, we'll get to them. It's kind of what we do. I got a really bad grandpa, a real bad grandpa. Johnny Knoxville ain't got nothing on this guy. I got... Uh, people are feisty over there in New Zealand over something stupid. We're going to get into that. Apparently, they don't they don't like boobies. I don't think. They don't like boobies over there, uh, which is weird. I always thought America was the most uptight country in the world, but apparently we are not. Then I have an update on a story that happened in 2020 here in America where a dude went nuts and tried to hunt and kill a 15-year-old girl, literally, and wounded her badly, but did not kill her, and he got sentenced. I'm going to re-update you on this story, which is just like, what the F is wrong with the world? I have an even more depressing What the Florida. The What the Florida story today is the worst story I've had in a while, and I'm like, damn, this is insane. What you thought was a death by alligator involving a child is much worse than that. Much worse than that. So we will get into that. But I'm stoked on this UFO story. Very, very stoked. And I'm going to tell you, as I get ready to do this UFO story, that I saw it in a newspaper headline, and and I saw a link to it, and they're like, oh, look at this. The tabloid papers are talking about blah, blah, blah. And, And the gist of the story is how much further ahead in the UFO paranormal research, et cetera, Russia is than the United States. And they're like, you know, basically bashing it and and discrediting this story. And then I clicked on it because it's a UFO story. I want to see what's there. And when I click on it, this is based on the dude George Knapp. And let me tell you something. George Knapp, to me, is the most credible journalist on the topic of UFOs there is. There's no one more, no one more plugged in and better at reporting UFO stories and the fact they're making fun of that shows me these are idiots and we're still in that point and laugh stage with the UFOs. And if this is coming from George Knapp, this is real crap. This is not any made up, you know, fantasized or sensationalized journalism. It's real and this guy's legit. So I'm going to tell you it. I'm going to get to it right after we talk to Max Anstey from the Firepower Honda team with his first ever Supercross victory and we'll do that next. Right here on a 4-9, Big 49, it is a stretch show. And right now, we are sitting down with your overall winner for the first time in his career. 
He is the man aboard the Firepower Honda. His name is Max Anstey. Congratulations, Max, on getting that first victory. Really great to see. You've been up on the podium a number of times this season, but getting that first win has got to feel really, really good. And knowing this is your first win of your career, knowing that you're out front, you know, rolling in, in the mud and anything can happen, how do you stay out of your own head? How do you sit back and, and you know, Go do what you got to do without, like, psyching yourself out or making a dumb mistake there at the very end to blow your first ever Supercross win. How, how did you do that? How did you stay calm and get the job done tonight? Uh, it's uh, it's it's one of those where I, I've been I've been around the world a few times. I, yeah. I've been in the situation before. Okay. I got out front. As soon as I went through the first rhythm section, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be good. Um, <laughs> and uh, goggles were clean. Yeah. Got uh, got going around the first lap. Mechanics okay. pit board didn't obviously work because because yeah. it was uh, it was wet, and um, I, I could see a KTM was in second, and and I was gapping quite quite well. And I thought, all right, I'm just going to sit like this. Then I got into lappers. Okay. So when I got into the lappers, I uh, I started really uh, obviously I was thinking a lot about well thoughts come into my mind about your yeah. and emptying them upside down and and uh, getting a nice bonus check tomorrow morning uh, Monday morning um, but uh, but as well I had to focus on what I was doing you yes. know it's 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 one of those where um, before we went out for the race yeah. you know everyone that I kept, everyone that I walked past was going oh this is a bit of you isn't it it's, it's uh, you know you're doing the rain dance and yeah. I'm like yeah but I've still got to actually execute what I'm doing and um, it's uh, it's not easy yeah. But you know, to, uh, to to come away with a win was was absolutely incredible. I I kept plugging away. Was a little too uh, careful. I mean, I was careful. It, it, it is what it is. I I started rolling the finish line, rolling some of the triples because yeah. I didn't want to land on some lappers. And then uh, and then and then I was rolling the whoops the last lap. And then I I heard da 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 da, and I was like. That's either a lap again, really sketchy, or that's someone good. And I can kind of tell their bike, so I knew it was one of the Hondas. I was like, ooh, okay, I need to speed up a bit more now. <laughs> these last two turns. So, um, you know, made it around the last two turns. But, you know, I, I will take it any way I can get a win. I can get that trophy. I can take it home for my little boy, um, put it in his room. Uh, it, it's what I came to America for, you know. Supercross is, is why I came to America, and, and like all of us up here, um, it's uh, it's a special night, and... and yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. All right, and we're loving watching you do it too, Max. But let's say right now, we can look back. You are now a winner of a Supercross event. Did you ever think when you came here to America to race motorcycles that, you know, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to win a Supercross? Now, like, obviously, that's your goal. But I guess did you ever doubt that or did you ever think, like, you're going to get to this mountaintop? Yeah, I, I think I think all of us, um, everyone has that the power within, uh, yeah. you could say, I mean, when you're at night, you, you always, if you didn't believe you were going to be uh, a champion or win races, then there's not really much point in being out there. Yeah. Um, it, I definitely, you know, dreamed about it. Um, yeah. There's a whole different, you know, thing in actually going and doing it. And, and especially, <laughs> you know, for, for Honda, for, for my team, for Firepower Honda, a privateer team, yeah. um, being able to, 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 to do this for them, um, I've been on a lot of teams where, yeah, you, you, you can think in your head how, how great you are, but if the bike's not competitive, then it's a bit of a waste of time. Okay. Um, you know, we, we've been in a, a situation this year where I've been consistent. I've been top five in every race apart from the one that I, that I DNF'd and, um, yeah. and been on the box when it's dry and won a race when it's wet. I, I, you know, we're, we're there or thereabouts, you know, okay, 100% this, the East Coast Championship is, is Hunter's Championship. Yeah. Um, and racing against the Star Yamahas, racing against HRC, it's 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 been incredible. There's still things that I'm learning every single day when I come okay. out to these races. You know, even here, there was that weird little single before that triple. Man, I, I kept messing it up. I kept like <laughs> taking off and then rolling it. And Martin Davalos was telling me, "Why are you doing that?" I'm like, "I've never done a section like that before. It's, it's weird." Even though I'm 30 years old this week, yeah. I, it's arguably my first full season of Supercross on a 250 since yeah. 2010. So, um, yeah. I feel like I'm a rookie. I'm, I'm learning stuff yeah. and can't wait for the future. Can't wait for, for the rest of this season with, with this team and, and next year to try and you know make another step. All right, Max, uh, how much did the MXGP background come into play tonight for you getting this win? How much do you think it, it, it mattered? Uh, do you think it helped? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> these, uh, th these American guys don't usually 
unless you've got your own track like these boys can actually <laughs> ride when it's raining. Yeah. Half the time the teams don't even let you ride when it's wet. So um, yeah. I, uh, I've taken a bike out a few times at MTF when, when she's been a bit muddy against the team's uh, team's will, just just yeah. for this uh, just for this sort of uh, you know situation. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, the guys don't ride supercross bikes in the mud because yeah. they don't want to. They just don't want to. You know, do any work on them more. I don't know what yeah. the, I don't know what it is, but in California, whenever I was there, yeah. any time there was a little chance of rain, everything would be closed. So, uh, definitely the. It's been a while since I rode in the mud, but yeah, GP days definitely helped. All right, and uh, obviously all races really come down to the start. You got a really good start tonight, and you know what, what was it you think that, that helped you get that great start tonight and get out front so that you were able just to ride in kind of clean air, at least for the first couple laps before you started running in the lappers, it seems like. But uh, what, what do you attribute to that? So, um, yeah, GP days. Um, <laughs> GP days okay. definitely helped. Okay. I was even potentially going to run a scoop, and then I was like, nah. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, it, I'm glad I didn't because it was real slick. Yeah. Um, yeah, the start was key. Um, cut some grooves in the tire. Give me some traction. It's all about traction out there. Um, did a concrete start. Okay. If you, uh, you Americans will figure that out. Um, <laughs> that's basically uh, basically it. Um, uh, yeah, everyone span. I didn't spin, so okay. that made. There you go. <laughs> that that, that, yeah. that made that made you a difference. So, no, I, I mean <laughs> concrete starts for the old the old amateurs. It's it's all about yeah. getting traction. So, um, so no, uh, it of course it could have gone um, anyone's direction, but yeah. um, it reminded me weirdly of Loretta's uh, when we did that national there. Um, yeah. Real hard and slick. I know, obviously, there was it. It was kind of the same. So it was all about getting traction after the gate. Um, I mean, yeah, could have been anyone's game, but okay. um, yeah, it was. It worked out. All right, uh, Max. They had cameras down there, and when they took you guys off the track, you guys were in the gate. It starts pouring. Then the lightning comes in. They make the decision to pull you guys out of the gate and put you down. But they put you in the tunnel. You didn't get to go back to your pits. And everybody was down there. We're talking for like an hour and a half delay. But every time the camera would go down there or we'd get a look down there, you were like in the zone. You had your helmet on and you were ready to go. So, but you know, what was going through your mind? It seemed like you were just anxious to get back out on the track and race tonight. I thought everyone started running down to the stadium. So I thought, oh, we must be you know getting going and it was just because there was a streaker on the track so <laughs> i whacked my helmet yeah. on because i thought oh, everyone's going down there there's <laughs> a streaker Whoa. on the track but no i mean yeah i was just just obviously um everyone just kept billing me up telling me i was doing yeah. the, the the rain dance but um <laughs> i just saw my graphics on you know the the, the saint jude graphics and it said just keep swimming and i watched finding dory this week with my little guy it's, just keep swimming just keep swimming so you know finding nemo finding dory it, it worked out and it was definitely wet going down that start straight so i just i just did the same thing all right <laughs> just keep swimming well hey tell you what next week keep swimming some more if we get more rain uh, in Nashville, we could, and we could see you back on top of the box again, and it's fun to see. Congratulations to you and the entire Firepower Honda team. Great to see you up there, Max. It's been a fun year watching you in your first full year here on these 250s, like you're saying. Uh, oldest rookie in the class, so congratulations, and we will talk to you. I have a feeling very soon you'll be back up on the podium. I'm Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. <laughs> The man urged. Chick with 600,000 followers on GoFundMe has died, and here is why. Because she has had massive, massive amounts of plastic surgery to look exactly like Kim Kardashian. And guess what? She looked exactly like Kim Kardashian. So congratulations, you look like Kim Kardashian, and you do porn just like the real Kim Kardashian, only now you lost your life trying to look just like porn star Kim Kardashian. Bam Margera is now a wanted man in Pennsylvania. Earlier this week, I told you about an altercation between him and his family where Bam fled into the woods when police were called and evaded them. Now the family says he's on the run with his girlfriend and her eight-year-old kid and according to the reports has now developed a recent meth habit and they fear he's a danger to himself and the people around him. Let's hope this guy gets it together, man, because it's not looking good for Bam Margera.
Here's a person I would not expect any of you dudes to know anything about. She's a former pop star, had a one-hit wonder on her hands. Her name was Megan Trainer, But she did an interview recently where she said she suffers from vag anxiety because her husband's penis is so big. She went on to say she's seeking medical advice on how to shrink her husband's massive schlong. So note to Mr. Trainer, run for the effing hills, dude. This isn't going to end well for you. Gotta love it when the woke are even getting unwoke. Steven Spielberg, one of the wokest of the wokies, made a comment recently in an interview where he said, it was a big mistake that I never should have edited E.T. Remember, he famously went back into E.T. years later and edited guns out of the federal agent's hands as they were chasing the alien through the woods and instead put walkie-talkies in there. He says no film should ever be revised based on the lenses we are now either voluntarily or being forced to peer through. You mean like right now, you woke-ass a-hole? The Man Entertainment with Stretch. Big 4-9. It is Stretch Show. Time to get into one of my favorite topics in the world. That is the UFOs. And as we move into this era, it's an era of where there's a lot of interest in it. Journalists have finally taking it seriously to some degree but you could tell there's still a big pushback on this topic as a serious issue and hence this article I'm about to get into which came from uh, the UK Star which is basically a tabloid newspaper and so you could see stuff from there and you will find sensationalized stories in there from time to time but if it's anything involving UFOs I'm going to read it make the call if I think it's real or not. And they even tease it and they rip into it. And then when I saw the source of the article, I'm like, these idiots are discrediting the most credible journalist in the field of ufology. And his name is George Knapp. George Knapp is a guy, he co-hosts a lot on uh, Coast to Coast AM, which is a show dedicated to paranormal, UFO, unexplained stuff. A really great show. And George is a real-life television news journalist out of the Las Vegas area. And he is the guy that the only journalist that was invited into Skinwalker Ranch when Robert Bigelow owned it and they were doing paranormal investigating there. And George Knapp had access and has some amazing reports. And during the course of that time in the I think that went on for 10 years or more at Skinwalker Ranch the first time. Now it's a TV show with a new owner and a new crew. But all of that investigation was going on, and George had a lot of access, which made him an incredibly legitimate, real source on this taboo topic. And when I saw it was him, and they were making fun of it, and they're like, a scientist in... Former Soviet Russia claimed that they had tapped into cosmic intelligence and they were using aliens for psychic abilities. And then you're like, all right, that's a sensationalized BS headline. And then they go into poo-pooing on American journalist and alien enthusiast. What kind of a name is that? Alien enthusiast. Oh, yeah, I'm an alien enthusiast because I report on an issue that no one else in the media will touch you know, in a legitimate way. You mock it like these guys are doing in this same article. And that guy they're talking about is alien enthusiast George Knapp, who says he witnessed remote viewing viewing during a visit to Russia in the 1990s to investigate their alien research program. Here's what's effing nuts. I'm like, wait a minute, George Knapp, this is real. And if George Knapp says it, I know it's real. I have that kind of faith in this dude's reporting. So they talk about him uh, going on a podcast and doing an interview where he talks about he came across scientists that were scientists in Russia who had claimed to have reverse engineered alien technology. He said they have this gigantic UFO study that goes on for 10 years And then another one replaces it, and they're trying to figure out how do we duplicate this alien technology that they apparently have recovered from a crash or something like that. Um, Here we are. Then they go into this guy who was Lieutenant General Alexei Savin, who wanted to share the impressive research he had performed with the public. And this is the 90s this is going on. 
and he showed George that they had developed a remote viewing technique where they believed they were talking to freaking off-world aliens is what they think. It was a a remote viewing that they were getting from what they described as aliens. And he showed them training films where they took a Russian sailor and they put him in the bottom of a ship and then they asked him to identify where other naval ships were and the dude was able to do it like sitting in the bottom of a ship with no windows with uncanny accuracy. This is incredibly accurate. And George claimed it wasn't trained professionals who could uh, use the alien technology that they also were able to get like a house mom, just to hold a housewife in Russia at the time and get her to do the same exact thing. And that some of these people that use this alien technology where they were doing basically telecommunicating with something that they said was off planet turned these people into massive psychics. They were, they developed this incredible psychic ability and the trial went on for a while and they shared the technology with George. Remember in the nineties, we were cool with Russia. The iron curtain had fallen and they were being really cool with America and people were over there and we, we were, had a more open policy with them. Uh, he says, George says he sat down with a lady who specialized in determining medical conditions, a power she got from this reverse engineered, whatever they found with communicating with these aliens. And they said she could size you up uh, mentally and figure out what's going on with you physically. And he said she was incredibly spot on because she did it with George. And George is, like I said, an incredible, reliable topic uh, on this topic, an incredible, reliable source on this topic. He says he didn't go want to go into details about what she told him, but she said, you know, you figure you can look at someone and size them up. You don't have to be a psychic to say, oh, you're chunky or whatever. You, you're going to have a heart issue or something like that. Well, he explained that this lady went way beyond and knew things medically about him that there's no way she could know. And it was pretty freaky. He says they're projecting their consciousness out into the cosmos and then they run into somebody else who then has a conversation with them and shares information with them or shares images with them. Some of them would write stuff down like channeling, like you see psychics do, or they'll channel and they'll talk to whatever they say, their spirit guides or whatever, whatever. Knapp said he first traveled to Soviet Russia after learning their UFO research program was several steps ahead of the United States. Like I said, this was in the 90s when they were open to this sort of thing. And uh, Russia was also the site of multiple alien sightings, according to George, that they shared with him. And they said they had captured the imaginations of UFO people around the world at the time. So he went over there. One of the cases, a little south of Moscow, saw multiple witnesses report spotting a giant robot-like alien exit a spaceship at a park, walk around, then get back in the craft. And there were tons of witnesses to this, apparently. Most of them were young people, but not like little kids. There were other people around in the playground area too, and they all saw it. One of those mass sightings that you can't just poo-poo away. So very cool uh, UFO story today. And the fact that George Knapp is the source, I gotta give this a thousand percent credibility, even though the newspaper I'm reporting it from is trying to poo-poo it the entire time, taking little jabs and digs and calling people alien enthusiast and crap like that when this guy is probably the best investigative journalist in the world on that topic so shout out to him I, i'm a big fan of george knapp I, I like the stuff he does and i'm not a big fan of whoever is really in charge of trying to smear and discredit incredibly reliable sources like this with articles like this and, and, and that's a concerted effort and this continues this fact that they're acting like they're openly investigating and they're doing it that's just because there's a lot of public interest and they're trying to give you a big pacifier and telling you to suck on this and then they'll they're spinning it just like they did in the 40s and 50s the last time there was a big spike and a lot of public interest and then they found a way to mock it and make it funny and now with everyone in the world having a phone in their pocket and more and more witnesses and news being so small and worldwide like you don't you don't have to rely on newspapers and television news anymore. The internet and social media will spread this and it's become a much larger topic and it's harder to poo-poo now. So 
shout out to everybody keeping up the good fight in the world of aliens. Up next, I'm gonna get into a bad grandpa. Yeah, Johnny Knoxville got nothing on this guy. It's a big 4 9. Big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Earlier in the week, we asked Justin Barsha if he was stoked for Max and Steve for getting his first ever Supercross win. Remember, Max rode the 450 class for a long time with Suzuki and figured they knew each other, but it seems like they didn't know each other. Justin said, yeah, he likes British people because his wife is British and Max seems like a cool guy and he was stoked for him. Well, apparently that's led to some form of a bond because there is now video of Max and Justin training together at the Firepower Honda facility in Cairo, Georgia. Apparently, it's not a far drive from where Justin lives in Florida, and I guess they've met. Their bond over both being winners in the New Jersey Mud Bowl has become strong, and they're riding together this week. Very cool to see, because we love both of those dudes here at the Big 49. I am Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49, it is a stretch show here on this Thursday morning. Get ready for Friday. You know what happens on Friday? Last Chance Radio, Moto Man, special guest Kyle in the house, talking about music, talking about moto, talking about all things rock and roll and kick-assery. So that show will kick off at 3 p.m. tomorrow. And then Saturday, the entire Numb Nuts crew is back. It is myself, Moto Man, Jason from Honda Yamaha Redlands, and Bookie Kyle back in for Supercross coverage. And that is always fun. Fun, fun, fun times. We'll get down, see who wins in Nashville. We might get rain again this weekend. Might get another little mutter going on. See how this all works out. Right now, though, I'm going to tell you about a grandpa that's a horrible grandpa. He a horrible grandpa. And you know where he is? He's in Chicken to China, the Chinese chicken. That's where he is. Grandpa, you horrible grandpa. 65-year-old man. Guess where grandpa is right now? He's in jail. That's where grandpa is. Shanghai, China. 65-year-old man has been charged with kidnapping his own granddaughter. Like, wait a minute. Maybe he's a good grandpa and they were bad parents and he took the kid to protect the child. Loving grandparents will do that. That happens every day in America. No, that's not what happened. This grandpa went to school, picked up his little uh, granddaughter, and he's like, hi, come play with grandpa today. And she's like, cool. The mom shows up at school a little while later to pick up the kid, and they're like, your kid left with your you, with your dad. And she's like, what? I didn't know my dad was coming to pick her up. And she gets him on the phone, and it's like, hey, dad, why didn't you tell me you were going to pick up the kid? Like, what's happening? What's going on? His name is Yuan. Yuan said, oh yeah, I have the grandchild. And if you don't give me $72,000, you'll never see her again. Never again. They're like, wait a minute, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I want $72,000 and I'll give you back the kid. Which was 500,000 in uh, Chinese money. And he said, I'll give you three days to get it together or you're never seeing your precious daughter again. This is his granddaughter, by the way. Uh, she's called back and she's like, really, you need to give him, give respect to kid because I'm tired of messing with you, dad. I'm going to call the police, like knock it off. Apparently, grandpa's a degenerate gambler. Grandpa is a big time degenerate gambler and he was broke and he needed money to get his gamble on. Sounds like us all here at the Big 49, betting on the little KTM kids races at the Supercross. It's our favorite thing. We bet on everything. We bet on children. We're degenerate gambling fools here. And I don't know what Grandpa was betting on, but he needed 72 Gs, and that's no small scratch. That's why he gave her three days to get it together. Well, finally the daughter's like, all right, I'm tired of this, and she called the Popo. Uh, he was arrested that evening, and... He was charged with extortion, and he has been sent to Shinshu Prison in Shanghai. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time, Grandpa. Bet he can gamble in prison now, and you probably gamble and bet on things like cockroach races and, you know, a soda out of the machine. So, good luck, Grandpa. Yeah, have fun gambling in prison. I hope you don't get boofed in the booty. 
big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Seems like every time we talk to Kenny Roxon this year, he is happier and happier aboard that Suzuki and with that entire team. And one of the things that really seems to be working is that they let him do his own thing. He trains himself both on the track and off the track and looks like it's working because he's got a nice uptick with two podium finishes in a row. He's also got an overall win this year, and Kenny looks on point and dialed in. Yesterday, I saw a video of Kenny Roxon. I'm assuming working out in his home gym, and he's in there, you know, putting in the work, and in the background, he's rocking disturbed. Let the bodies hit the floor. So FYI, the rest of the field, Kenny's going hard, and you guys better be ready for it. Gotta love it when these guys rock out to Big 49 music. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up. One hour from now. Big 49, it is a stretch show right now. I'm going to tell you this one. You're going to want to run like a flock of seagulls. Want to get your bad 80s haircut and run for your life. This story's coming out of Australia's. You know Stretch loves Australia's. And I always talk about all the things that can kill you in Australia's, namely great white sharks and jellyfish and spiders and crazy disease and rats and everything else that can kill you. But... Also, Aussies, Aussies themselves can kill you is a whole nother thing. And this is a crazy-ass Aussie. Apparently, they don't, uh, they're not loose with the guns like we are here in America. A little harder to find a weapon to kill people. So this guy back in 2020 uh, decided he wanted to be killed by the authorities. And to do that, he thought he needed to murder a stranger. To just go somewhere and create massive mayhem and havoc kill a stranger or five and and then the police would come and kill him well he didn't have a gun so he got a crossbow a bow and arrow and you know there should really be better background checks on those bow and arrows they're made for killing those things they say they're for target practice but no they are not they're for mass killing and he took his bow and arrow and he went to an aldi store that's a market in Booville. This is all outside of Brisbane, Australia. And so the guy goes there and he decides he's gonna kill a random girl. The first person he targeted was a indigenous woman who was jogging and they say he targeted her for racial reasons and he shot at her with the arrow but he missed her, she kept running and he then decided if he went into the shops he could do more damage and get more people. Oh, yeah, just so you know, too, uh, he was covered with, like, a hoodie and a mask on. Uh, his name is Benjamin Bork. And when he got to the Aldi store, which is a supermarket in Booville, he saw a 15-year-old girl locking up her bike. And he's 28 years old. He had his compound bow, he had five arrows, and he had backup weapons including a small sledgehammer and two knives. So he was armed to the hill. He just didn't have any guns. And when he pulled up to the 15-year-old girl outside of the Aldi shop, he told her, I'm going to let you see my face before. And she's like, what? And then he pointed an arrow at her, and he shot. Now, he missed this one, too. And the girl quickly ran into the store where he chased her and began what they call is a persistent four-minute attack on a 15-year-old girl, and they have video surveillance from inside the store that shows it. This girl he just shot at with a bow and arrow and missed her. She's now running for her life inside the store. And then he shoots the girl three times, on one occasion striking her with the arrow that went through her mobile phone case and then pierced her hand. So she had the phone in her hand and she held it up and it went through the phone and through her hand and her torso. She had it in front of her. So that's how strong that arrow's coming out. She then continued to run. He continued to stalk the injured girl, this time holding one of the hammers. So he ran out of arrows at that point. Remember, he fired one at the indigenous girl, one at this girl and missed her. Fired a couple more arrows at her, and he finally got her. He's now pulled the hammer out, and he's coming in to finish the job. And that's when bystanders bum-rushed the guy and held him down and probably beat his ass. And he went to jail. But for four minutes... He chased this girl around a grocery store and they brought her into court 
for his case where she testified about the terrifying life-changing incident that had a major impact on her life where she now remains hyper-vigilant and suspicious of people in public. That's called anxiety. And she has uh, some trauma-induced anxiety that will never go away. There's no way you cure that. Now, Bork later was diagnosed with mild autism by his dick-ass lawyer trying to defend this prick. And he also had personality disorder, you think? And he had rage outbursts and a history of making threats and attempts of self-harm. Yeah, well, if he'd have just killed himself, he wouldn't have tried to kill this 15-year-old girl or the aboriginal lady. Yeah. Earlier in the day, he had a small amount of uh, meth and, and a little cannabis. And he'd been living in a chronically dysphoric state. Oh, do you feel sorry for this guy? Because I don't feel sorry for this prick. I'm like, you tortured and you've ruined that girl her entire life. She is going to never be the same again. Uh, They say Bork developed a primitive and immature personality where he was angry at the world. And he's already spent 946 days in jail and apparently the courts fell for the BS because this guy only got 10 and a half years for that insane, crazy attack on that girl. And he cannot apply for parole until he's served at least 80, but they're giving him credit for time already served, being he's been in jail as this case has wound through the courts for two, three years, and I imagine the COVID didn't help that. So there he is. That's your fun story of the day, coming out of Australia's freaking crazy bastard. I'm glad to see, though, when I see other countries have court systems that are as effed as ours and as light on crime as ours. It makes me feel that the whole world's effed up. It's not just America. I have a more horrible story than that, if you can believe it. But I'm not going to go into that yet. You know why? I think it's time to talk to my friend, Kenny Roxon. We'll get Kenny Roxon on the line with you next. He got up on the podium for the second week in a row in the Supercross in New Jersey. And we'll have a little chat with him. And then if you missed uh, Max Anstey, we had a nice long chat with. We'll have him at the end of the show again. I'm Stretch. It is Thursday. Up on you in the Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. All right, if you plan on being a professional motocross racer, it's something that starts at about four or five years old, and these kids train and train and ride and ride and ride and race all over the country, and it's not something that's easy to do. Then when you consider that the average lifespan of their career is over before you're 30 years old, it's not a very long career either. That being said, a lot of these guys don't have time to go to school. That's why there was a thing invented called on-track school, where tons of these riders have actually graduated high school while training to be professional motocross racers, many already being pros before they even graduate high school. But I have to admit, when I looked at the graduating class for 2023, there was a surprise to see Ricky Carmichael in there. Ricky Carmichael had never graduated high school. This guy is the Michael Jordan of making money in moto. He's one of the highest paid moto dudes ever and still rakes in tons of cash as a moto god. And now he's got a high school diploma to go with it. So congratulations, Ricky Carmichael, for going through the on-track school and being, well, the oldest graduate this year. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49. I am Stretch this is the Thursday edition of the Stretch Show. Shout out to Max Anstey and to Kenny Roxon for chatting with us today. Max Anstey interview coming up again 11 a.m. Pacific time. The final hour, we'll rerun that one. I love Max. Just a happy guy, man. He, All these dudes have such a passion and fire for what they do, and that's the only way you could ever get to the top on in that sport, man. You've got to love it. That's why I'm so great at radio. No one loves it as much as I do. And I've loved it my whole effing life. And here we are. Just plug it away, plug it away, plug it away. Being the greatest. Raising the bar for everyone. And changing the game with HLS Streaming. Big 49, by the way, if you're listening, had a little glitch around 3 a.m. We went off the air. Apparently the old transmitter was uh, screwing up. 
We had to go out there and kick it, and I think Motoman hit it with a stick, and then he shook it a few times, and we came back to life. Yeah, that's what happened. I didn't feel bad. I'm not kidding. I literally, it was 3 a.m., and I was at my real job, and I was like, uh-oh, we're, we're not on. The stretch show's starting. We got to get on. So I woke up uh, Moto, and I'm like, I know you're on the couch at the station. Uh, will you go in there and kick the transmitter three, four, nine times and see what happened? And he did, and then, and it fixed it, but... I still felt bad waking him up. Not something that's cool, but the Big 49 is very important. We had to get it back together. All right, I'm going to give you a, the most horrible story you could ever hear coming out of St. Petersburg, what the Florida. And it involved the death of a two-year-old toddler. His name was Taylor Mosley. And it happened in early April. They say it sent shockwaves through Florida and drew national headlines. They found the toddler's body in the mouth of an alligator. Authorities were able to shoot and kill the alligator and retrieve the deceased toddler's body intact. They say a family member discovered... Uh, this is where it takes an awful, awful... Like, you found a dead toddler in an alligator's mouth. This is the horrible story. No, it's about to get worse. Hang on. It's Florida. Toddler's body was found in the mouth of the alligator shortly after a family member discovered the child's mother, 20-year-old Pashun Jeffrey, dead in the family's apartment. Police now uh, believe that Taylor's father, Thomas Mosley, 21 years old, had stabbed the child's mother more than 100 times after a birthday party on March 29th. And it still gets worse. Later that night, uh, Thomas Mosley arrived at his mother's house with cuts to his arms and hands, which they say were consistent with injuries that commonly occurred to attackers wielding knives. And that made him a suspect in her killing. Oh man, this story's about to get a really, really bad. Uh, it's not as bad already. We got a dead toddler and we got a murdered mother. And we got apparently a douchebag father that murdered the mother. Well, after authorities found her body, the toddler was reported as missing. They didn't go on a look for the toddler. We're in Florida. You look in lakes and bodies of water. And voila, we find the body of the toddler in the mouth of an alligator. Well, they did an autopsy on the kid, and guess what? The dad murdered the kid before he threw him in the water, and the alligator just came along and found, you know, floating food and ate the boy. Luckily, officers were able to see it and get him back, and they can now pin this murder on that piece of crap father as well. But they say the father had drowned the child in the water and then... and. And they noticed through autopsy. It wasn't like he threw him in there and let him drown. He drowned the kid. He forcibly drowned the child. So let's hope this piece of crap, who is now booked on two counts of first-degree murder and the death of both his son and the baby's mother, let's hope he gets the death penalty because, thank God, Florida's a good state that still does that. Oh, boy. That story depressed me now. All right, up next... I'm going to lighten it up a little bit. We're going to talk about how the Kiwis hate boobies. Get into this one next. I'm Stretch. It's the Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Uh, if you want to help a privateer out, I'd have to tell you right now would be a good time to help out Bobby Piazza because that guy just got bitch slapped by the AMA. And here's what it is. He's a privateer. He, they all hustle. They try to make money. They're finding different ways to make money. Bobby decided it would be a cool idea to generate a little income by letting fans in the pits each week come over and actually rev the engine on his bike. They pay him. It didn't say how much he was charging, but he was letting fans do it. And he was making a little money, and these guys need every dime they can get. Well, apparently someone in security or the AMA 
caught wind of it. They say in Atlanta, it was really, really loud in the pits, and they went over and told him to stop. He got into a heated argument with them. The AMA official came over. He argued with them, and now they bitch slapped that dude and suspended him for last week's race in New Jersey. He was not allowed to race, and he's on a six-month probation for what they call conduct detrimental to the sport. So Bobby Piazza, a privateer who we always preach about trying to help these guys out, lost the entire week of earnings in New Jersey last week, and now he can't have people rev his bike anymore, and they're going to be watching this guy. So if you want to help him out, reach out to this dude. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It is a stretch show here on a Thursday morning. Getting ready for tomorrow. Tomorrow is Supercross Eve. It is the Friday Spectacular. Hopefully get some media day riding out in Nashville. Get some stories out of that. And then we'll get to LCR with Moto Man and Kyle. And then after that, we will head into the weekend and another round of Supercross racing. I'm about to get really dicey. My real job gets really, really, really busy uh, for like the next three or four weeks, and I have forced mandatory overtime, and I am most likely going to end up uh, missing at least one Supercross race as we approach the end of the year here. I know I'm missing one. I may miss more. We'll see. And then there's a chance I come and do part of it, and then I leave. Which will be the best part of it if I'm there for like an hour. I'll be like, well, that was a three-hour show, but that first hour was spectacular. Yeah, it's because Stretch Ari was there. That's what's happening. All right. Here's a story. Let's go to New Zealand. I thought New Zealand was like a fun place. I didn't know they are the California of Down Under. A great American food chain. You may have heard of it. It's called Hooters. They opened uh, a uh, branch in New Zealand, and the people down there got all pissy about it. So they opened it, and they wouldn't let them put up a sign. So they got one up and sought permission to put up a sign, just a neon sign. You've seen them, and not even the one with the owl with the hooter eyes. It just said hooters in orange letters, and a ver- it was a vertical sign. So attached to the building, H-O-O-T-E-R-S, from top to bottom. And hung on the outside. And the city said no. Well, they put up the sign anyway. And then all hell broke loose when the planning inspectors confirmed that the uh, appeal, because they they made them take it down, and then they appealed it. Now they denied the appeal. And it's been dismissed saying there's no public benefit that could outweigh the harm identified by this sign. What harm is from a sign that says H-O-O-T-E-R-S? I mean, even the owl picture is an owl. It's not a set of tits. Like, what is happening here? The inspector said in her decision that the main issue, by the way, I think the main issue is that she is a her and has an issue with Hooters. Thinks it's sexist. If I don't care what you think. If it's a business and it's paying to operate in your city, in your town, in your country, you help them operate as long as they're not violating the law. And you come up with these stupid city ordinances with signs and you enforce them on some businesses, but not the others, apparently, according to this story. Yeah. She said, uh, given that the site was located within the Castle Street Conservation Area, there was a significance was drawn from it being at the heart of the traditional commercial center and the Victorian Edwardian heiress. So apparently because it's in a nice area, they don't want to put a Hooters sign on the outside or a historical area. Believe me, you know what they liked in the long, long ago there? They liked Hooters. Yeah, their manager came out and said, you know, other businesses nearby have the same kind of signs outside. There's a precedent for our business to be able to put up a sign that has our name on it so people know where we're located. And they're like, no, and they keep denying, denying Hooters, saying no to Hooters. I love Hooters. Come to Stretchville, we'll let you put your damn Hooters sign up. I love subpar chicken wings, cold beers, and sports on television. And girls walking around with pantyhose and dolphin shorts. What could be wrong with that? Sounds like a good time to me. But no, that is not the case. And our New Zealand friend is going to kibosh it, kibosh it, kibosh it, kibosh it. At this point, I'm saying you close your business. 
You sue the city, you close your business, you move somewhere else that's more business friendly, and you find out they're going to let you hang your sign before you open the damn doors. Instead of letting people slowly strangle you out of business where you're paying all their fees, paying all their fees until you can't pay your own and you are bankrupt and they don't care. Sounds like California. Sounds very much so like California. Ah, frustrating. It's all frustrating. I gotta get out of here. Up next, my friend Max Danstey, Firepower Honda team. He's fired up, man. Max, he just got his first ever win on a Supercross motorcycle. Remember, and he's Supercross for life. Max Anstey will not be racing outdoors when we switch over in May. No, he's just gonna head overseas. He's gonna race the World Supercross. And then he's gonna race the Australian Supercross. And then he's gonna come back and race the United States Supercross, because Max Anstey is a Supercross rider. Shout out to him. We'll talk to him next. I'm Stretch. You do it all for the nookie. It's the Big 49. Big 49. I am the Stretch Hurry. This is my radio show, and we are packing it up and going home. But if you missed a moment of it, and you don't want to listen to all that pesky rock and roll, go anywhere podcasts are served, type in Big 49, Stretch Show, The Stretch Show Big 49. You'll find it. It's there. Just Google that crap, and it'll pop up immediately. you find it somewhere. It's everywhere podcasts are served. It's kind of awesome, if I may say so myself. Anywhere between 45 minutes to one hour long. And it is every day. Then we do the moto shows on Saturdays, which is our coverage of Supercross. After all the races, we do little wrap-ups. And we do pre-race and post-race wrap-ups. And then we do a post-race show all together. And that is streamed at TheBig49.com. You can check that out. That is a vlog. And it's very, very long because we do a five-hour show. I love... I'm not going to lie, Bob and the Goat doing 15 minutes a week, 15 minutes a week. It takes me longer than that to take a dump, for Christ's sake. God knows how much they're paying those overpaid blowholes to work 15 minutes a week and not be entertaining. Granted, expert opinion through and through is solid. Am I getting my money's worth if I'm sponsoring that show? No, you are not. You know what? Get your money's worth. 24-7 24-7 rock and roll blowtorch motocross radio station. That's where you get your money's worth. It's called Frequency Impressions. You hit it, you hit it, you hit it. And we got people listening at any time. 24 hours a day. Because that's what we do. We're a real radio station. Open the microphones and we rock. Especially when I'm on. It's effing amazing. Can't help myself. You know why? Because I wake up in the morning and I piss excellence. That's why... Me and Ricky Bobby model my life after Ricky Bobby. You know what? If you don't eat Big Red, F you. That's what I say. Don't drink gasoline. Shake and bake, all that stuff. So I train my guys here. I tie Colombian Bam Bam under the car. Or I throw him in the car with a mountain lion. I teach him to run fast. That's what I do. Pattern this entire radio station after that stupid movie. <laughs> Oh, man. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Tom Cruise. Yeah. I am going to get up out of here and get ready for the Friday show. I'm going to come back after my marathon day. Funny, I will not sleep between this show and the next show. And it will be a very long time between me actually tracking them out. But I do what I do. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, God bless you all. And God bless the United States of America.